I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time of day it is where you are at. Welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algets, and I'm joined today by a very happy fangirly. It's uh, it's Maggie. It's How you Maggie. doing? I'm doing really good. I am um, riding that high for my favorite video game last night. <laughs> so uh, in case you couldn't tell by the thumbnail and by the title, we are talking about the Game Awards today, but uh, we're also going to be talking about some other stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds absolutely annihilating the hashtag Deadpool leaks hashtag uh, by flooding it with a whole bunch of fantastic images. And we're also going to find an excuse to talk about Farscape. But to start things out, we're going to kind of jump into the Game Awards here because there's a lot from the Game Awards we are going to talk about. Uh, so, yes, Game Awards happened last night. And there's a lot of there's a lot of feelings, a lot of good feelings, a lot of bad feelings, a lot of angry feelings. Uh, but let's dive right into it with the big winner, which was, of course, Baldur's Gate. They brought home just so many awards, including, uh, of course, Game of the Year. They also won Best RPG and just a slew of other stuff. Uh, Maggie, you I'm... are you are so stoked. <laughs> what, like, I was on Twitter as I was watching the show last night. And any anytime Baldur's Gate was even so much as mentioned, <laughs> you were popping off on Twitter. Yeah. What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? I am so, so excited for this game. I mean, I feel like it was already the game of the year, whether it won or not. But having that game of the year like tag is just like so great for it. And I think that the developers and all of the crew and the voice actors and the entire like creative team um, is just so special feeling like the way that they interact with fans, the way they've been so responsive to like changes and requests throughout like early access into like the official release. And I also love like the way they handled last night, like dropping a hot fix in the middle of the uh, the game awards and then also launching on Xbox right afterwards. I just felt like that was a really great sign of like how they have very much been like fan forward and also just like creative. Creatively speaking, they also feel like they're they're very much like 
very pro worker, uh, which has been really great as well, um, especially with uh, so much stuff that's going on in the game industry. You know, there were people outside of the Game Awards last night, both protesting the fact that so many people have been laid off in the game world this year and also um, from the SAG-AFTRA because of the, the video game contract that, um, you know, were have voted to um, strike in that if they don't come to, um, you know, good conclusions. So there's a lot of other things going on outside of the Game Awards um, that felt also very much, you know, represented inside of the, uh, the theater last night. I will say I do think that the fact that they didn't acknowledge, I, I understand why they didn't mm -hmm. from a PR perspective, but the fact they didn't address the fact that literally thousands of workers within the video game industry have been laid off within the last few months even it it felt a little tone deaf yeah uh, especially as something that is supposed to be a celebration of you know developers and their work although that being said there was also the whole fact that you know people weren't really able to celebrate the no. developers because when someone won an award they were only given about 30 seconds to talk uh, and a lot of people pointing out, oh, well, you know, the announcer, when they're coming up to announce the uh, category, was able to talk for as long as they wanted. But it's the person who won the award couldn't, you know, yeah. give their proper thanks in time. And the fact that, you know, the show is like 85% advertisements. And yeah, revealed. it's E3, not a Game Awards, which... Well, that's 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 kind of been the game awards since their inception this this year was particularly uh egregious i think yeah. mostly because a lot of people have a lot of my developer friends and things of that nature you know the the situation with all the layoffs and everything is something that is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now so it mm -hmm. is you know seeing something being so blatantly capitalistic i don't think sold quite as well with some folks no it definitely seemed like the vibes were off in that regards last night and that being said there were a lot of really exciting looking games last night um there were a few there's one in particular that hang on i'm gonna have to get the name of it or i'm gonna completely forget what it was it was the band banchers ghosts of new eden oh yeah I that have no idea really if that's a franchise or if there's other games, but the trailer looked if so If it cool. is, I don't know. It looked really cool. Uh, I was excited. Uh, Usual June was one that they revealed during the pre-show, which wasn't really a pre-show because they did awards during the pre-show, but that's fine. Uh, Rise of the Ronin looked really, really good. That yeah, one particularly jumped out to me. Um, obviously, we're getting, we're getting another mana game, which is a huge thing. Uh, Visions of Mana. That is always super exciting for me. And Jet Set Radio is coming back, which Sega showed up and just decided to drop all of the announcements in the span of about 10 seconds. Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi, Golden Axe, uh, Streets of Rage. Like, what the, Shinobi? What the, I don't know. That that got me excited as somebody who loved the Genesis growing Blade. up. The Blade video game? The Blade game from Arcane Studios. That'll probably be really, really good. It looks so good from what we saw. But obviously, it's like way out, but I still think we're going to get it before we get the movie. So. 
you're probably not wrong. But going through the winners here, we have Game of the Year went to Baldur's Gate 3. Best Direction went to Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2 was also another big winner for the night. They won, uh, I believe, three awards, which is fantastic. Any any opportunity I get to see Sam Lake, just period, like just get to see Sam Lake is always like super thrilling for me, mostly just because every time that I see him, all I see is Max Payne, uh, <laughs> which is just especially seeing him on stage dancing with poets of the fall and everybody. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm just like, yeah, that's Max, that's Max Payne. Um, <laughs> I can't divorce the image of Sam Lake, Sam Lake's face being on that character in the first game from him in reality. It's a weird, like cognitive dissonance that I always have to go through. Uh, but he's just he is uh somebody who i look up to a lot he's quite quite a quite an inspiration for me as a writer and as a developer so it's always it's always good to see him get some recognition uh yeah because they won best game direction best narrative and best art direction all went to alan wake 2 i still need to play alan wake 2 have you have you played any i haven't but i've watched some playthroughs because i kept seeing the uh musical number on tiktok and i was like well now i have to see what like the actual gameplay looks like it looks really cool i'm not really familiar with alan wake as a like franchise or whatever but they definitely the musical aspect caught my attention and it makes me happy that like weird games won this year um so that is that is something that i i really appreciate about the games industry and something that i realized watching a lot of the reveals this year was there were a few like big franchise things obviously like Mm -hmm. monster hunter and things that nature showed up but for the most part most of the reveals were like new original ip or like Mm -hmm indie games or things of this nature that like seem to be really original and really inventive and sort of the stuff that it was trying to do. So that's something that you don't see as much in other forms of media where, you know, kind of franchising is king. But this year, if the Game Awards were any uh, indication, it really seems like originality and gaming is something that uh, they're pushing hard, which I'm super excited about. Back to the awards. Uh, speaking of music, uh, best score went to Final Fantasy 16, a game that I feel like I'm honestly really surprised wasn't in the running for game of the year. Uh, not that it would have beaten Baldur's Gate, but I definitely feel like that was what, a lot of people talk about like what games were snubbed from nomination. A lot of people bring up a uh, Jedi survivor Hogwarts legacy came up star uh, Starfield obviously came up for me. Final fantasy 16, not being there was a little bit of a shock, uh, but they won best best music, which honestly it's a final fantasy game. So that really shouldn't have surprised anyone. Best audio design went to hi-fi rush. Another game that I need to play. I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, yet another win being chalked up for Baldur's gate. Best performance went to Neil Newbon, uh, who like seeing him get up there on stage. I was just like, yeah, this is. I wish he had more of a chance to talk, but he's also been on collider dailies. So he has. So if, if you want to hear his thoughts on uh, voice acting, on motion capture, just anything to do with the job, he talked to us about it, and it was a fantastic interview. I I will say, I do agree with some people that it was a shame that Yuri Lowenthal didn't get, you know, yeah. didn't win. I do love Neil Newbon and I love his performance as a starian. I think that I think that Yuri Lowenthal as Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2 would have also been a an outcome of that category that I would have been pretty stoked about. Um, because he did absolutely crush it in Spider-Man 2. 
Uh, Games for Impact went to a game that I cannot pronounce. Chia? Chaya? You're on your own here, kid. Yeah. I'm sorry. I heard it last night and it and it like passed through my brain. And out the other. Uh, just because there's just so much going on during the show. Uh, best ongoing game, which is Cyberpunk 2077, which I thought was a nice turnaround from where it was at launch, uh, yeah. which is fantastic. Uh, best indie game, Sea of Stars. That is a fantastic game. Best debut indie game, Cocoon. I've heard fantastic things. Mm-hmm. It is on my list. Uh, I will say from best debut indie game, the one that stood out to me and the one that I'm definitely going to be checking out was Venba. Uh, yeah just seeing seeing stuff about that and then it it caused me to actually dig in and do some research and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be digging into that one here maybe over this christmas break best mobile game honkai star rail that should surprise nobody for me that category the thing that makes me the most excited is the fact that there actually is a game called hello kitty island adventure now uh (laughs) just because that one south park joke Will never go away. Best community support, Baldur's Gate 3. That again, surprise to nobody. A rock. Best VR AR game, which honestly I didn't even remember them announcing this as a category. Uh, Resident Evil Village won that. Not really too much of a surprise. Innovation in, in accessibility, Forza Motorsport, which I mean, you can play a racing game as if you're blind. Like that's that's a pretty accessible game. Best action game, Armored Core 6. Best action adventure, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And on and on and on and on. The one category that a lot of people that I'm seeing the most people angry about. Best fighting game. Uh, Street Fighter 6 won, beating out Mortal Kombat 1, which was the one that a lot of people were... That was a lot of fighting game fans sort of favorite to win that category. Uh, honestly, when, when that category came up, I said to myself, I was like, it's either going to be Mortal Kombat 1 or it's going to be Street Fighter 6. These two sort of legacy brands being in that category, one of them was going to be a shoe. I had my bets on Street Fighter just because I think I know the most people who have played Street Fighter. See, everybody that I know in the fighting community are all about Mortal Kombat. Maybe it's just that's my bubble. Yeah, and that, like my bubble was Street Fighter. At least I saw a lot of people playing it on TikTok. So maybe that's just my like algorithm, but that was the one that I was like maybe. the most aware of for this year. And then of course, as a shock to literally nobody, best family game went to Super Mario Wonder. Uh, I will say about Super Mario Wonder and the fact that it was nominated for Game of the Year, maybe it's just because I'm not as much in the Nintendo sphere, but that game felt like a game where it came out people were stoked about it for a day and then nobody talked about it. Yeah. I actually didn't know there was a new super Mario this year. That being a a game of the year, I was a little like, okay. I've never played super Mario. I think as an only kid, there was never. Yeah. As an only kid, there was never any like real impetus to play any of the super Mario games because they always seemed like that franchise was meant for like dual player, like racing games and stuff like, but that was, that was how it was sold when I was a kid was it was very much something that like you played the you raced each other and you had the tool the two controllers and you did the whole thing and that's how that whole world was always framed like there was the you wanted like the ideal gameplay was having two people and i didn't have i mean people. that is a thing you can do but, but i never think that's how it was marketed in the 90s when i was really getting into the gaming stuff that was the ads that, that i saw the trailers i saw i don't think i've ever heard of anyone actually doing it <laughs> oh, i know like all of the people of the, now, the wii game no but even now as an adult i know a lot of people who like when they go home with their siblings they play the super mario racing games 
like that's the like a nostalgia thing so i think that was my specific generation of like 90s babies we grew up with this idea of that being like a, a two-player game so i never played it i, I completely enough. missed out i was the spyro girl because that was a single player game so i've, just, I've just never been i've never been too big of a mario fan or just nintendo in general uh i grew up with a super nintendo grew up with an n64 and then i hopped off the nintendo train pretty quickly and even when i had those consoles i didn't really have too many nintendo games like nintendo published games it was a lot of like third party games uh so i mean if you look at the collection behind me you'll, you'll see a lot of playstation and a lot of xbox yeah and you have to look really closely to see my switch. nintendo switch down there I was gonna say I, I even have my Nintendo Switch here because I was gonna be a see. I, and I'm then new. my 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 very small cartridge collection. That's here, wild. Which is my Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. But outside of that, I I do have I do have a hell of a Game Boy Advance collection over there. I love I, my Game Boy Advance. I do collect I color. do collect for the Game Boy Advance. My that Game Boy is. Color still works. I will say that the uh uh the game boy line i am a little bit of a collector when it comes to that also when it comes to the consoles not just the games yeah. i am trying to collect every every like major console that was released in that line so that would be the the dmg the pocket the light which we'll get to in a second yes. the color uh advanced advanced sp advanced micro that's like the the line. I have everything except for I don't have a pocket and I don't have the Game Boy Light. Mm. I all I almost I had an opportunity to buy a Game Boy Light, which if you don't know what a Game Boy Light is, it was a Japanese exclusive mm -hmm. console. It released like a few months before the Game Boy Color. It's effectively a Game Boy Pocket with a uh, front light. Uh, it's it's a cool novelty it's ridiculously expensive to get in the states nowadays like we're talking like hundreds upon hundreds of dollars yeah. and uh my friends at uh local game store down in oregon video game wizards in malala oregon they have a game boy light and i think they still have the same game boy light unless they sold it at portland retro which is possible that they could have i haven't been down there since but uh they had it price tagged for 150 and i was looking at it and i was like mm, i i think i'm gonna buy that and uh chris the, the worker there was like you know actually that is way underpriced so if you want to buy it buy it now otherwise we're going to uh i'm gonna have to like increase the price so this is your one opportunity to get it for 150 and i was like mm, i just i can't swing it i can't swing it right now and he's like oh that's a bummer and then as soon as i went to go leave the store i saw him put a price sticker on for 280 and i was like oh and it's still just been it's been there every time that i've gone in and i've kicked myself every single time i only uh, ever had three of the game boy handheld devices i had my game boy color which was hot pink i had my game boy advance which was blue and then i had the game boy sd which was with the like bright red and those are the three that i had and then i fell off the game boy the train after that i i love them so much i still play them to this day pretty regularly i i got into modding them because one of my like hobbies is doing electronics works and things of that nature so i've i've modded every single one of the consoles that i have that is worth modding like i haven't modded my micro because why would you need to mod the micro and also yeah. that thing's like almost 300 by itself i'm not opening it uh 
but I have like a, a super nice pimped out Game Boy Color. I've got a super mm-hmm. nice pimped out Game Boy Advance. Those are the those are my two main that I play. Uh, I feel like we've gotten way way gonna, off topic. Do you do you want to know what game threw me completely off of my Game Boy love? It was the Kingdom Hearts. I think it's Chain of Memories. The oh the I the hate, Game Boy Advance one. I hated the card that game one. so much, so much. I hated that. I, and to this day, I still like anytime I, I like my Nintendo switch. Like I've kind of gotten over it, but whenever I see something that's going to be like a release for a handheld device, I always just assume it's going to be like a rematch of the original game, but like 10 times more difficult to play and useless to the plot. Even though nowadays that's not the case. It's not, but my brain is still wired to like just how much that game annoyed the heck out of me as a kid. Although these, wow. these days for me, uh, my switch is, pretty much just a pokemon machine at this point Mm. um because if there's a portable game or if there's a game that's coming out that i want to play portably i have a steam deck so i'm probably just going to play it on that uh but i got mine to play the Hades game and the spyro remastered i love my spyro remastered on switch i could just pop that on my steam deck and good to go uh but yeah my switch is just for pokemon basically which actually we're getting the the next pokemon dlc so i'm gonna have an excuse to use my uh switch again here real soon i think that launches i want to say tuesday like real soon <laughs> heck it could launch today and i wouldn't know uh <laughs> but anyways hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We got way off topic. Let's move on to the next topic for today. We're going to be talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds trolling the world with fake Deadpool leaks. Uh, So he posted on social media platforms just basically saying, uh, you know, hey, Deadpool. Deadpool started as a leak. It was, you know, when they leaked the test footage, that's what sort of started this whole franchise. So it has a history of leaks. That being said, he isn't super thrilled about people leaking, you know, some of the multiverse elements of Deadpool 3. So he decided that he was going to jump in there and try to screw with the algorithm a little bit. And he posted a whole bunch of fake images that are that just make me so incredibly happy. The first one that he posted is them standing around with the Predator, which... I'm not going to lie. That is a, uh, if that actually happened, I think I would be hundred percent on board for that. Uh, one of, one of Deadpool walking away from Mickey mouse with a big old bag of cash, which is the most meta statement I think I've ever seen in a image. Uh, one where Steve Urkel is in the background. Apparently Steve Urkel is going to be in the multiverse and just a whole <laughs> bunch of other, like just silliness like that. It's Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Maggie, what are your thoughts on this? What are your feelings? I think it's hilarious and so very much on brand for Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I think this has really all been fueled by the fact that the set leaks from this week spoiled presumably a character's death. Uh, And those were just all over Twitter and people who um, I 
follow who have been actively against spoilers for years, which is gleefully posting them. And I, like, I don't really have much like sentimental attachment to any characters in like the Deadpool land because I kind of think everybody's expendable in that that universe because it's just so weird. Um, but I was quite miffed. I was uh, I was pretty disappointed that people were just gleefully posting it, and it's been weird with Deadpool three and like just in general that so much has leaked i'm like god just put up a giant fence or something like or send people up there to moderate where those people are clearly standing to take pictures it's weird well ryan reynolds is you know he started something with these sort of fake leaks uh because now the hashtag deadpool leaks hashtag as well as any like related ones have just been flooded by a whole bunch of (laughs) fake leaks and i I am here for it because a lot of Deadpool fans kind of took Ryan's sort of call to action and have started creating their own to just sort of blanket over all of the real leaks. I actually managed to not even see the actual leaks. So color me happy uh, because I, all I saw was just a whole bunch of fake leaks and a whole bunch of like, a whole bunch of people got into it. Even like Dan Trackenberg posted yeah. some fake leaks. Like it was, it's just, it's so brilliant to see so many people jumping on that bandwagon. It was, it was a lot of fun to see all the ridiculous cameos that people were coming up with. It's fun. I do like when things like this happen and like the fandom as a whole, like gets in on it. Um, and I just, I hate scoopers so much and <laughs> I have so many feelings. I could go on another long tangent about the, the scooper culture of Marvel projects and like in particular, like obviously we see this with DC to some extent, but I feel like DC manages to have things down a little bit tighter than Marvel does, which is hilarious because Marvel's the one that everyone jokes about, like Kevin Feige is going to snipe you, but like the entire plot of most movies is just out there for Marvel. It's very strange. Well, there's, yeah, there's entire communities that are just dedicated to leaking and spoiling Marvel projects. It's weird. It's it's the whole thing. I feel like there's definitely ways that Disney could handle that. I have spent a grotesque amount of time lurking in those communities doing, doing this job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who who among us has not been on the Marvel Leaks Reddit before it got taken down because the mouse came for them? But Oh, they're back, just under a different name. I know, they're back. I'm not going <laughs> to... We're not going to talk about them, but they are back. They're back. They're out there. So if you do want Marvel Leaks, it's possible for you to find them. Uh, okay. Although that being said, don't... I will say, in the history of leaks, my favorite leak of all time was when the plot of the rise of Skywalker leaked on Reddit, the entire plot and Burger King Germany did not realize that it was actual plot leaks. And they did a whole campaign around them and they spoiled all of the stuff that happens in the rise of Skywalker in German, but it was a whole social media campaign with like video content and trailers and all sorts of stuff. And they spoiled everything I love <laughs> accidentally that. So it is good. my favorite we actually have an article on collider that the features team did a couple weeks ago could be a couple months ago now about that um that was like my personally favorite weird thing that's ever happened in in fandom and you just mention it in cer- certain circles on social media and it is everybody loves it it's it's a thing <laughs> Speaking of our features team, <laughs> do you see they how wrote an segue? <laughs> they wrote an article uh, a little while back that got me. It got me back into Farscape. 
I have started rewatching Farscape because of a feature article on Collider.com. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, we posted an article basically talking about the relationship between John Crichton and Aaron Sun and how uh, it like really broke the mold as far as uh, TV romances. And we decided that uh, that's not the title. Uh, we decided that we were going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm just jumping. I'm just jumping on Adam here. Uh, <laughs> Our poor producer. We figured that we would use this as an excuse to talk about Farscape because we don't get to nerd about nerd out about Farscape too much. I did a video based on this article, and I started it off by saying that uh, a lot of times I feel like Farscape is something that I made up as a child, like it was yeah. some sort of weird fever dream, and then I'll see a I'll see a meme or I'll see a uh, like video clip or something that reminds me, no, I'm not crazy. This was an actual show. Uh, Maggie, what are your thoughts and feelings on Farscape? What is your, what is your personal history with Farscape? Um, I've been in on it since the very beginning as a kid. I think my aunt was more into it than my parents were, but like, I was also really into it cause I really liked Ben Browder and I watched it like religiously when it was on. And then I think once it started airing on um the old sci-fi before they changed their name to syfy um that's when like my mom got in on it with me watching it so like, like the rerun syndication vibes is how we got into it and then i watched it through multiple times as a kid because i was a sci-fi kid so i just always watched the reruns of tv shows when it was on sci-fi uh, i did try to rewatch it earlier this year as like a going to sleep show and i got way too invested and i couldn't because like i like putting on like old nostalgia things to like listen to and watch as i'm going to sleep but I got too invested in it again for it to be like my nighttime routine. So I haven't rewatched it in totality this year, but I've watched like a little bit of season one, a little bit of season two. I don't think this could be a show that I could fall asleep to just no, because there's, I, like, I don't know there's why too I much it. going on. There's so much going on. And it was like, I was like, oh, I could put it on. Like I put on like SG one and that's fairly easy for me to like listen to with my glasses off. But Farscape's the one that I was like, wait, I need to see what's happening. Let me put my glasses on and sit up in bed and watch what's happening. If um, you don't know what Farscape is <laughs> and you are currently listening to this and thinking that we're just crazy people, <laughs> Farscape was a show that was that uh, debuted in the, I believe, early or late 90s, early 2000s it was on the Sci-Fi channel. 99 yeah. to, it was either 98 or 99 to 2003, I think. Yes, I believe you're right on that. Uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it was a Jim Henson production. Uh, basically, the idea of the show was this uh, Earth astronaut got flung into a wormhole and got flung across the galaxy and found himself aboard a living ship with a ragtag crew of individuals. It was Guardians of the Galaxy before you know Guardians the movie the was a thing. Yeah. I I people who were saying it was Guardians of the Galaxy before Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm like, those comics have been around since the yeah. 70s, so that, that statement is incorrect. But uh, it, it very much has the Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. Uh, and yeah, and just them on their uh, continuing adventures aboard this ship, doing all kinds of stuff, getting into crazy stuff. It culminates in like an entire galactic war, which kind of just like talk about escalation uh it ran for four seasons had a massive cliffhanger as its last episode yeah but then thankfully not long afterwards they were able to secure the rights to be able to do a uh a film so they were able to wrap up their cliffhanger but it did leave a lot of folks 
uh, at the time. Yeah. Very upset. Like I constantly talk to like, whenever I see people on TikTok, like complaining about TV shows now that are in the younger demographic, I just have to be like, you guys are so blessed now because back when we were watching shows that we like, we cared passionately about, like there were no trailers aside from the ones for like the next episode that ran at the end of it. Maybe one midweek, if like you caught it at the right time, there were no like video platforms to go rewatch them on. There was like no places to really analyze things. The most you got from interviews was like maybe on a website but that you would maybe see when you logged in to check AOL mail but like you had to go get a tv guide or an entertainment weekly and like hope maybe they talked about the things you cared about in an interview that isn't even about this week's episode because it was done like three months ago and it's now running like it was such a different time back then to like care passionately about these shows and I think that's one of the reasons why like you and I like why these shows still linger with us because there was so much that we had to cultivate personally so there's like a much more like a personal stake in these shows than there are now where we're like fed all of this media constantly throughout the week before a new episode or something like that i just feel like there's a very different relationship that our generation has with these quirky little shows <laughs> maggie your your millennial is showing like I'm very sorry. very hard i'm sorry i am what i am <laughs> i will person. i will say uh this this show very much feels in line with me with a lot of the sort of late 90s, early 2000s sci-fi yeah. shows, stuff like Firefly, Babylon 5. It, it all kind it's of falls into that realm for me. Maggie, out of like all of those kind of shows, you got stuff like Sequest, you've got, as I said, Farscape, you've got Babylon 5, you've got, you know, so much other weird stuff. I'm um earth two like what are some other like weird bizarre sci-fi series where would you rank farscape among amongst them the, among the weird sci-fi television of the late 90s early 2000s okay well sg1 was like my favorite show i watched all of that and atlantis and like all of those so i would rank sg1 as number one probably and i think atlantis came later into the mid-aughts um, so I would probably put that somewhere lower, but I think SG-1's number one, and then Farscape, and then Earth Final Conflict. I love that show to oh death. Oh, God, Earth Final Conflict. I <laughs> forgot I, about that show. I love that show. And then, obviously, this is not including, like, Star Trek Voyager, which was also on at the same time, because I don't think that's a weird or quirky, like, that was very much, a, like, a mainstream sci-fi. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't really bring yeah, the, and I would the argue, Star Trek series into Like, this. to an extent, SG-1 was also more of a mainstay of the sci-fi stuff, but I think there was, there was weird fan stuff with that because some people really like the movie and they didn't really like tv show as much and then the tv show ended up eclipsing the movie and that one and there were some people who liked the movie who didn't even know there was a show yep yep so i think that one i would still classify into like the, the, the sci-fi because star trek was off on its own upn i think at that point was where yes. it was streaming uh, or streaming airing, streaming, airing. <laughs> you, see how, <laughs> you have to shift your whole brain back to a completely different style of, of talking about these shows um but in terms of the like the the sci-fi stuff i think it would go sg1 and then farscape or my like top two i would as far as weird sci-fi shows i mean babylon 5 is top for me yeah. Although they were kind of, they were already basically done before like Farscape and them. Yeah. Because that wrapped up like stride. 2000, didn't it? Yeah. I think that was when, I think that was the end of the show. And we don't talk about Crusade. Um, no. 
for good reason. Uh, and I will say, like, I liked Firefly, but I was never the person that was like, oh my God, we need more. I like you weren't a brown coat. I wasn't. A, no, because that has really weird connotations. And I, I okay, yeah, yeah, really hate that. That's the fandom. Name for that. Like there's so many weird stuff with like just Firefly in general, because of like who created it and blah, 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 blah. And some of this, the plot lines that thank God they never got to do. Like, I don't know if you've ever read up some of those plot lines. They are some of the stuff, some of the stuff that they were thinking of doing with like Inara and, horrifying i'm so glad you got one season of one weird horrifying um so i'm very glad that that show only got one because i think that that would have caused so much worse discourse than it already has but i did like it for what it was and i love the cast and i did really like serenity the movie i had it i watched it like in our portable car dvd player as a kid a bunch when we were like going again your millennial is showing i am what i am um but i that one i don't even think goes into my top five because it was like such a blip in the the sci-fi world and i i think it's wild that that fandom has persevered throughout so much (laughs) i don't i don't think that it's that wild like honestly out of all of the fandoms going strong firefly is the one that surprises me the least really because again it being you know something that is created by the person who created it he had he had a tendency he, to he generate yeah he, he had a tendency to generate some pretty strong fandoms fandoms that are still going today this is true uh thankfully ones that have largely fixed themselves uh, yeah <laughs> and moderate um, it yeah but god yeah for me farscape is pretty high up on the list Oh, Andromeda. Uh, Do you remember? I mean, again, I terribly... Andromeda. You want to talk about problematic shows, um, <laughs> or shows that involve problematic people? Well, yeah. Uh, I I I watched the first season of Andromeda, and then I think it just got too weird for my it family. Got very so weird. We watch it. I did try because... to watch that like very early on in the pandemic because Prime Video has like all of these shows on there under like the regular main subscription. I tried rewatching that and I was like, nope, too bad. Can't do it. I can't. I remember there being a lot of hype when mm-hmm. Andromeda was coming out in my family because everyone's like, it's, it's, it's a new Roddenberry show. Like, this is so weird. It's a Roddenberry show that isn't Star Trek. Like, let's, let's dive in. Let's watch it. I remember we watched the first season and we were like, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's a it's a Roddenberry show starring Hercules. Like this this sounds fantastic. Yeah, that was a big Let's... deal back then. <laughs> yeah, it was. And uh, then it, as I said, it just got very bizarre, very weird, very quickly. And uh, I think my family was just like, you know what? No, we aren't we aren't gonna watch this because at the at the time I was just young enough that I feel like, especially in our generation, we didn't necessarily grow up with TVs in our rooms. So whatever we were watching was what the parents were watching yeah. for the most part. Uh, and so if my parents didn't want to watch a show, guess what? We weren't watching that show. Yeah. Uh, luckily enough, my parents do have pretty good taste in television and movies. So we did get through, you know, as I said, Farscape. And we watched the entirety of Sequest, which having rewatched that recently, <laughs> nobody should have watched the entirety of Sequest. That show is so bizarre. <laughs> That's another one that feels largely like a fever dream to me. I mean, I feel like we were particularly blessed with weird sci-fi as 
kids and also just like weird shows in general because this is like the same era that like x-files was on and we had buffy and we had like so many really good shows that today would get canceled like three episodes in like but those are the would get one season on netflix, netflix and then they were canceled can it. yeah like uh the devil and the bastard son had the same vibes as a lot of the stuff and that got canceled like instantly on netflix with no yeah. chance even though i think that was growing an audience it just didn't have a chance but it hit that same kind of like vibe from the late 90s into the early aughts um but it's i think so many of the storytellers that are like our peers today were raised on those same sort of weird shows um and it's a shame that like the next generation doesn't have those they have you know it really was like a weird golden era of sci-fi mm-hmm because so many, so many shows, I feel like so many shows felt like they had to compete with like Voyager and Deep Space Nine that were going strong at the time. And so, so many shows were stepping up and we wound up with a lot of, a lot of hidden gems. You yeah. Know, you had the ones that we mentioned, then you had stuff like Sliders. I love sliders. I love sliders so much. This is also the same era as like Trimmers. I watched all the Trimmers movies on sci-fi as well. I love Trimmers. They were going stronger at that time, yeah. I love that show so much. Um, But it's like so many weird stuff that, you know, now it's just random things that you hear people mention at conventions when, you know. And that's the only place that any, the only places that you ever hear about them are at conventions or uh, if you're hanging out with me and my brother. I will say I will tweet at least once a year. I'm thinking about Earth Final Conflict today. Is anybody else thinking about Earth Final Conflict today? And I've done this for about 14 years. I used to do it on Facebook and now I use it on Twitter. And it's just like, sometimes I'll just think about it. And like, is anybody else thinking about it? (laughs) Do you remember the show Cleopatra 2025 starring Gina Torres? Yes, I do. I do. I have like a very vague... Like, I know what you're talking about, but if you were to ask me to, like, describe it, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything. Because I, I think that's one, of, that's one of those ones that I I remember, out. like, the opening scene and some of the stuff from the first episode, like, really vividly. And I don't know why that is, you know, can't do long division, but I could give you a play for play for the first time I saw Earth Battle Conflict. <laughs> Oh, you know what else was going during this time that was sci-fi adjacent? This was this was during the heyday of Futurama. Oh yeah, that my favorite cool. show of all time, by the way. Absolutely adore Futurama. I feel like my Twitter handle gives that away. It does just a little bit, yeah, even though I, I have not really watched uh, Futurama. wasn't <sighs> I wasn't into any of the animation stuff, like the more mature. I never watched like. Uh, King of the Hill or like any of this. I just know King of the Hill came on before X-Files. That's all I recall. Here's the thing. The correct, the correct way to watch Futurama. All right. I'm going to go on record and I will say this is, this is the absolutely 100% correct way to watch Futurama is you watch the show through its entirety and then you watch it through again with the audio commentaries. You have to watch it with the audio commentaries because what I appreciate about Futurama, and actually this applies to all the graining series, is when they do the home releases, every single episode has audio commentary. A lot of shows, when they release, there will be like one or two episodes that have audio commentary. They do every single one. 
And to me, that is half of why I love Futurama is listening to like Matt Groening, David X. Cohen, and any of the voice actors or writers or anybody that they could get to do commentary for the episodes that like so much information about that show is burned into my mind because of listening to those audio commentaries. So that is a correct way to go. Honestly, just listen to audio commentaries for anything that you watch. Yeah. Uh, which is which is something that you need to have physical media to do because you don't get audio commentaries on streaming platforms. So buy physical media. Can you tell that I like <laughs> stuff physical? <laughs> Anyways, we should probably wrap this show up because we have officially become the longest running show uh, that we've done yet of dailies. So we're going to do a couple housekeeping things. Uh, Maggie, you have some interviews coming up, don't you? I do. So I have an interview coming out today um, with Gael Garcia Bernal talking about Cassandro. Um, We also talked a little bit about his upcoming series, La Maquina. And I tried my best to get him to talk about The Boys Mexico, and I didn't get anywhere. Um, I didn't think. Gotta try. Uh, but then I'm also really excited next week. I have an interview dropping that I am just like so, so excited about. Um, I interviewed Jason Isaacs this week for Archie. And because I am who I am, there is a question about Baldur's Gate 3 at the end that I can't wait for the Gortash girlies to see. Uh, because you know what? I was like, everybody in this um, junket is not going to ask this man about Baldur's Gate 3, and I bet he's not expecting it, and I went with it, and it was great. Really great answers, some really good commentary about that character, uh, and I just am very excited for that. So that's coming out next week. Um, and then, yeah, so those are those are the two that I've, I've talked to so far, and I just interviewed someone else as well. Oh, uh, David Thulis last week. I talked to him for The Artful Dodger, as well as Thomas Brody Sangster. So you can watch all of those on YouTube. Yeah. Or you can read the transcripts on collider.com. So many different ways for you to sort of ingest uh, interview content straight into your brain space. Yeah. So get over to Collider. I was going to say, go back and watch our Neil Newbon and our um, interview with Tim Downey as well. Now that both of them are in the game of the year and we had them before that was official. Maggie is <laughs> far too proud, far too proud of this. I'm like uh, but yes, it was it was pretty cool that we were able to talk to them. You should go back and check those out. You should go back. You should check out every interview that Collider has ever done. Just start from the beginning and just watch them all. It'll only probably take you about a year. Uh, but that's all that we have for you today. Next week on Monday will be our 50th episode, if I'm not mistaken, if my math is correct. Uh, so you should tune in for that. I don't think we're doing anything special. Uh, I don't even know who's hosting it. Uh, so tune in for that. Uh, otherwise I hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Maggie, do you have any weekend plans? Are you doing anything fun? No. (laughs) Good answer. I'll probably be watching stuff, catching up with life. I have two Christmas parties that I'm going to. I'm going to a friend Christmas party and to a family Christmas party. Well, aren't you just the social butterfly? <laughs> There's going to be so much booze. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Make good Great. choices. Probably Great. better choices than the one that I'm going to make. Uh, and uh, yeah, have a good rest of your time. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.